So you got to ask yourself, what happens when you have a guy who creates amazing experiences for brands all over the world and another guy who steadily gives back while shaking up radio by creating his own opportunities, a world-class voice talent. Welcome to our Wednesday live event, Innovation and Audio. My name is Lloyd Ford with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. Higher ratings are not a mystery. They're a practice, and it's what we do. Media companies spend money every single day, and they make money every single day. And we all know that the point is to increase their value and their revenue. That's why companies hire RPC. We help radio and television companies create real value for less and maximize revenue. You know, somebody's got a challenge, especially in the area of increasing ratings, revenue, and building true brands, have them reach out, F-O-R-D, at RainmakerPathway.com. This live event that you're hearing right now is part of a podcast series called the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and will become available uh, within 30 minutes or so of the end of this live event, wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly, who is absolutely amazing at producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. Today, we are going to visit with two amazing guests. Wednesday, November 10th, 2021, Grant Dutson is the creative director of Chorus Agency in London, England. And you are in for a treat to talk about what this dude does for a living, how he got into it, what is up. We're going to hear it all. Plus, Rick Party, who's really no stranger to us, air personality, world-class voiceover talent, actor, if you will. And listen, he's going to talk about innovation tonight. We're looking forward to that, too. Before we get started with our current guest, I would like to do just a little quick preview of what is coming next week on innovation and audio. It makes me a little nervous. Wednesday, November 17th, Howard Moskowitz is the co-founder and scientific director of World Institute of Competitive Excellence. Now you might think to yourself, man, that ain't got nothing to do with me. You know what? This guy has changed the way you see grocery stores. He has changed modern uh, uh the, the way we look at food, he's changed it all. And um, if you go to RainmakerPathway.com and you look at our schedule for innovation and audio, you can see the Malcolm Gladwell TED Talk that is only about Howard. And he's going to be with us next Wednesday. See our full schedule upcoming guest calendars for both of our live events on Clubhouse. You can do that in the free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. We also have for you there encouragement for on-air and promotion with our more than live and local guest series. And for local radio sellers, we, we have even more encouragement for you with the Encouraging Sales Success Series, actually good for any sellers. And, of course, we have free resources on our site for anyone in the radio business today. We do not lock away anything on our site the way some consultants do. So go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime. See what you can get for free from our team. Let's talk to today's guest right now. Our first guest is somebody who... Look, is used to having the title creative director associated with him. His work has spanned, you won't believe this, immersive art installations for brands like Ford, 
to globally recognize press stunts like HP's award-winning Bending the Rules campaign, to campaign creation for the likes of Buzz Aldrin's Share Space Foundation for the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, as well as huge-scale projection mapping projects like Ferrari's projection mapping installation at Ferrari World Abu Dhabi. There is no job too radical or off the wall. They literally talk about this. Grant Dudson is the creative director right now at Chorus Agency in London. Grant, welcome to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio. How are you, sir? I'm amazing, Lloyd. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's a good word for you. You know, your background and experiences make it look like you are an individual that likes to live on the edge of creativity. Listen, electric vehicles, creating brand experiences, working for companies like Jaguar and others, what in the world attracts you to creativity at a level where no job is too radical or off the wall? Um, I think, you know, if you're going to be creative, be as creative as you can possibly be. And I, I think, you know, creativity is, is about pushing boundaries, right? It's about breaking yes. the norm. It's about, you know, kind of being a mold breaker. And, um, you know, it's about making a statement. And I'm, I'm always trying to display a unique voice and style in, in whatever creative medium um, I'm focused on. Obviously, experiential is, is my thing. It's been my thing for the last 10 years. But even before that, I'd always try and, and find a unique voice. Um, and I think that's really important. It's about chasing an idea that's new, that can solve a problem in a unique way. Um, so I think that's what really kind of drives me from a passionate perspective on, on creating something that's completely radical and off the wall. It's, it's absolutely what I endeavor to, to do with every project that comes my way. That's really cool. And I love that you use the words, uh, you're always trying to make a, an impression, trying to make a statement, not just do something, not just do it well, not just do it creative, but try to make a statement. You know, look, you, you didn't start, or, or I don't think you started doing all these amazing experiences. Tell us how you got your start in art, in design, in understanding that you can make a living creating innovative experiences, even before maybe you started doing all these things for companies. Did you know that your career path, you knew what it was going to be, or, or did it develop across time? It, it developed across time. I think anything remotely associated with creativity gets quite complex for the person to kind of work out how they make it a commercial pursuit. Mm. Um, for a long, long time, you know, I was really lost. And I think as a creative, you'll generally find that you're, you're, you're actually quite good at lots of really interesting creative mediums. But the problem with that, and it's a blessing and a curse, is that, you know, you, you might love photography and you, you might love writing music and you might love dabbling in painting, but how do you actually make money from it? And, you know, ultimately you do have to find a way of specializing in, in, in something. And I ended up kind of, you know, being in a band for two years. At one point I went to university to study graphic design. Um, I didn't land an experiential uh, until the end of my 20s. Before that, I, I'd had this crazy turbulent journey trying to kind of figure out what my kind of creative fingerprint was, I suppose, and, and how I could make that a commercially viable um, 
uh, kind of proposition in my life. Uh, it wasn't until experiential kind of landed on on my um, my lap uh, that that I really knew how to kind of create something that could actually start to make me money. Um, so wait, so, were, were there yeah. people in your family that were worried about you? They're like hundred oh, percent. I don't know about Grant, and now they must be completely knocked out, right? Definitely. Well, the weird thing is, is that I, you know, I came from this tiny little place in the north of England called Scunthorpe, you know, and I mean, you know, choosing art at college and this and the other, it wasn't necessarily frowned upon. But if I said I wanted to be an artist, nobody was buying into that, right? They were like, come on. And everybody was like, well, you know, maybe choose graphic design at uni or something like that. It sounds a lot more sensible. So I did that for three years and then realized that I didn't want to do it. And then I wanted to sing. So I ended up in a band. I ended up then going to, I was couch surfing, right? I was, I lived with a pimp for two months in LA. I, I mean, I, I, I had a crazy, crazy journey. I mean, it wasn't out of choice, to be honest. It was because I was with, <laughs> with a guy, my singing partner was like, you know, wherever I go, you, you go and, and, and it's all good. And I, I've always been the kind of person that was like, you know what, I just want to see where life can take me. And uh, within reason, of course. And, and I was like, you know, music is something I really love and I'm hugely passionate about. Uh, and I wanted to make it a, a success, and I did. And, and to a degree, I, I had some amazing, amazing success in the band. But like anything, you know, eventually it kind of it, it it meets an end, and and then I was a little bit lost, and I was still you know pretty young. I was twenty twenty five years old. I pulled off a publicity stunt and, and and claimed I was signed to Eminem and Fifty Cent's new record label, and that reached the press. It was a double page spread in the Sun newspaper in the UK, and I just oh. had this insane situation I had to meet Eminem's lawyer and da, da, da. so I've had a really interesting journey but I think all of these experiences they all ladder up to what I do now because ultimately you need to understand people and you need to understand what experiences look like and how to create something that's actually really going to get people excited so I think all of this experience that I've had has already you know added massive value to what I do now I can hear people googling right now <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. you know, I mean, that's out there, right? It's out there. It so, is. I mean, so listen, that was before YouTube, though. To be fair, uh, well, yeah, but you know, you know how this stuff goes back into time. I'm that's sorry. true. No, the you digital can. goes everywhere. Yeah, so, yeah, that's true. so listen, what is it that you love about art? First, you're in the right place because a lot of people listen to us. They are very passionate about music, as you might hear later this evening. But what is it about art? Because Look, you use it to create real innovation right in front of everyone's eyes. What What is this connection to art with you? I've always been an artist, right? And I think we all are when we're, we're as soon as we're, we're kind of born into this world, we all see this, this beautiful planet that we live on through this incredible artistic vista. And then we somehow mm -hmm. lose that as we get older. But I, I've somehow managed to retain my curiosity and, and my need to, to, to be very kind of creative and artistically expressive uh, through many different mediums. But, but art is the North Star. It's, it's, it's how I begin every single uh, brainstorm. You know, if I get a brief, it's kind of right. What can I do here that's completely different, completely unique, that, that you know, will, will blow the, the, the minds of the client and, and get them really excited about, you know, what could be done. That's and right. you know, and I, and I think if you start from a from a base of of kind of um, an artistic sentiment, then 
you're coming at it not esoterically you know it still needs to be in line with what the brand needs and wants but ultimately you're coming at it from a really beautiful visceral place and that's ultimately what the, the brand needs to do as well it needs to connect with their with with its audience on a, on a visceral level and, and art allows you to do that that's right listen I, I i you know in doing my research about you and looking at your track record and things that you've done I, I hope that I will not be too subtle with this question because I think it's an important question for somebody like you because you have this answer for us. I think that as strange as it sounds, people forget that innovation involves experiences. Without the experience, there's no innovation. How did you really start being involved with experiences specifically? Um. I'm going to come at this from a from a different angle very quickly because I think right. that it's important for us to to note. And if anyone's kind of going, how do I get into brand experiences and right. kind of experiential <laughs> world? Right, you know, um, it, it's I've always been a really really hardworking individual. Like my work ethic is is off the chart. Like I I used to have three jobs. I you know I used to work on a nightclub door, um, hosting in, in Soho here in London. I also worked for a digital agency in the daytime. Um, mm. You know, I would promote events and on, on other occasions. I, I've always, always, always put myself out there and I've, I've used every ounce of time I have to really push myself to the max. And I think that's a really important part of if you want to do something really fun and you want to do something that it, it honors who you are on a creative level you you've got to get out there and you've got to be willing to put in the hours that, that's, that's number right. one the, the second thing is you've got to network your backside off i don't think i've ever really landed a job that has you know been kind of through the process of me handing in a, a cv it's generally been off the back of me meeting people talking about what it is that i do what i stand for how i think you know and putting myself out there and and, and the way i got into to experience uh, design was I met a creative director who was the creative director of a company called Drive Productions. They'd literally just finished this epic projection mapping show for Ralph Lauren. So they'd just done two big projection mapping shows that were unprecedented at the time. There'd never been a projection mapping show quite like this. They upped the game in terms of what projection mapping looked like. Um, and also experiential because when I first started in experiences, the budgets weren't there. Well, and listen, after, that had to knock you out too, right? When you 100%. I mean, it knocked you out. You went, oh, this is me. Yeah, right? 100%. So, so yeah, she, that, that, that creative director was like, this is what I do. And I was giving her all manner of different stories about, you know, all the cool stuff that I've done. She was like, oh, yeah, that's really great. But I was like, I was at a loose end, to be honest. I was just, you know, I was saying how great my life was. But actually, it was, <laughs> I was going nowhere. I was going around in circles trying to figure out what the hell I wanted to do. And she was like... You know, this is what I do. And I looked at it and I thought, wow, I've never seen anything like that before. So you're right. I fell in love with it immediately. And then I said, listen, I'm, I'm looking for a bit of a change of scenery. You know, I'm hugely creative. How about you send me a few briefs from, from, from time to time? And if, if you like the ideas I come up with, then maybe we can talk about me coming into the office and, you know, offering my creative value 
in, in different capacities. And, and in the end, long and short of it is that that's exactly what happened. So she you're crazy confident briefs. to do that, right? Yeah, but I also had nothing to lose, right, Lloyd? I mean, I was at, right. at the stage where I was a bit, I was at the end of my 20s. I'd been on the door of a nightclub, like I said. I was in this digital agency, but I wasn't having any fun and I didn't really see it going anywhere. I've always needed to be creative. And I think for me, I've always, I've, I've chased the money. And that's always the wrong thing to do. Mm. Whereas if you chase the passion and the creativity, and if that's the foundation of what it is that you end up doing, then the money comes anyway. And I know everyone says that, but you know, <laughs> until you actually live it, you realize, you don't realize how true it is. And, and for me, that's kind of how it worked. I ended up pretty much, um, you know, starting to work for this agency one day a week. And at the side of that, I ended up folding shirts in Ben Sherman in uh, their Carnaby Street store because I had to try and, you know, pay the bills whilst I was making this transition in life. And, you know, very quickly did I start to land really big projects and my ideas started to resonate with clients. And then I worked into a full-time creative role, quickly went to senior creative within two years. And in about five years, I was creative director owning my own projects. This is very exciting to hear. And I'm just going to dial this in in another way, just to kind of underline what you just said. So until I was about 40 years old, I'd always heard the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. That's true, right? Yeah. The reason I know that's not true is because when I was in my 40s, somebody told me what is true. Here's what is true. It's not who you know. It's who knows you, Grant. So that thing, where you're, that thing where you're saying that you met this creative director and when you met this creative director, it kind of like was the light coming on, right? So yeah, amazing. Right. So, so listen, for those who don't know, can you explain for me, please, uh, what is your average day like? What is an average job? Tell those listening what you really do for work. Okay. So again, I think I need to come at this from a slightly different angle in the sense that let me just map out what I do in, in an average day. And, and, it, and, and it isn't always just about being in the office, right? So the first right. thing I do is, is I have a gratitude journal. So I do that, literally wake up, write 10 things that I'm thankful for. Then I'll do some Wim Hof breathing. I'll do cold showers. I'll then do some, it'll be kickboxing or badminton or gym, swim, something like that. I need to start every single day off on, on, a, on a level where I'm hugely energetic and I'm ready to take on that day. I, I always want to give it my all and I, and I need to come out with that, that kind of fighting spirit and, and doing what I've just said allows mm -hmm. me to get into that mindset. Then when I go into the office uh, or if I'm working obviously from home, then ultimately it's about, it's about lots of, <laughs> it, I mean, lots of meetings. I have a lot of yeah. meetings with different clients to kind of obviously ascertain what it is that we need to do in order to land their ambition. Um, and it's constantly working on various ideas and, and uh, refining those in line with the changing parameters of, of what the client wants, because it, let's face it, you know, we all think that the client knows exactly what they want, but ultimately they don't. And it's also about our job as, as the kind of creative guardian of whatever project we're running to really help steer what that brief looks like. The, the amount of briefs that I've ended up writing, you know, are, are plenty, which is not a problem because that's, that's actually the role of the, the creative agency as well. It's, it's kind of, it's a dialogue and you're working with that client to get that brief and that ambition to a really 
you know, strong and strategic position. So then you can give them the best creative solution. So, you know, and, and then it's about brainstorms. It's about getting everybody involved and, and ensuring that, you know, everyone is, is, is part of, of the, the process that ends up being, you know, the, the kind of successful result you're after. So that, that's kind of, it's pretty much a, 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 the, the type of day that I, that I have lots and lots of, of meetings and, and, and kind of uh, sessions around me kind of coming up with ideas that um, effectively I feel will resonate with the client. Okay, let's skip to the fun stuff. Who challenges you? In other words, look, is there a client or someone in the world who truly tests your abilities and maybe they're consistent wanting to really push the very design of what's possible through experience with you. Is there somebody like that for you? I have a few, to be honest. And actually, my team, my team are very good at this. Um, you know, when you get around the table, you ultimately have to have a few people who are playing devil's advocate. And well, you're not just challenged by your clients, you're letting your internal team challenge you too. Oh, of course. I have producers that I, we don't argue, <laughs> but I, I, right. you know, I sit across the table kind of, you know, kind of going, how, how do you not get this? But that, that's fine. And that's, and that's what you need. And I think that's part of also being creative director. You, you can't be too precious over your ideas. I think if you're a, if you're a purist artist and that's fair enough, it's coming straight from the gut. It's, it's who you are. It's, there's no dialogue around what it is that you're creating. It's a piece of you. But when you're working with a client, you know, you've got to try and find a happy medium. And you've also got to make sure that it doesn't go the other way and then it ends up being designed by committee because then that's an issue as well. And there's far too many projects I've seen in my time where you'll get a creative director come in and they'll listen almost too intently to the feedback from the client to the point where all they all they're doing is they're not even creatively directing anymore. They're just they're just taking whatever the client facilitates. Yeah, the client will go. Well, just can you can you make it red instead of blue? And you go, well, why? You know, because it has to be steeped in rationale, right? It has to make sense. Right. Everything that so you, we wait, do, wait, wait, wait. So you are purposeful. You're not just creating these experiences. Every you, I just would love to know this. Is does everything have a purpose? Everything has a purpose. I mean, you know, there, there's obviously poetic and kind of creative license with certain things yes. because, you know, you have to kind of go, right, what's the platform to tap into into someone's psyche? That's really important. But I think right. if you're, if you're going to have a narrative that's attached to something that's visceral, that has to be really tight and it really has, it has right. to be considered. And if you're going to, you know, pick a color palette, then it's not just a bunch of colors because they look pretty because everyone has an opinion on color. It has to be a, a, a color palette that makes sense for the brand and the ambition of the project. I find it fascinating that here you are this really, it's very clear. You come in contact with you, it's very clear you are a high creative, but you also have the patience to sit in these meetings and I'm sure some of them are not quite short and to the point. <laughs> so I'm just gonna say, you know, you kind of have some rare qualities there. Can you tell us about Chorus Agency a little bit? Of course, of course. Chorus, uh, they're a, we're a great team. And, and I think that the, the interesting thing about Chorus is there are so many different 
talented people from many different backgrounds, all almost united through showmanship and their kind of experience in theatrical uh, events and and um, and and projects. But you've got you know creatives, designers, producers, technical experts. Um, all coming together, they all know their 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 worth, and all have fantastic experience, and we all align to create really captivating experiences that blow the minds of the audience and the client as well. Um, and so that's what we do. We act as a creative guardian half the time of the project to really help strategically get the client to a good place. And like I say, it's not just about coming up with ideas. It's about helping the client really understand what it is that they're trying to get out of the project. I'm glad you said that because I wanted to ask you about when you begin with a, a new client, how do you know what kind of experience you want to create or do clients come in with their own ideas in mind? How does, how does that work? It's a tricky one and it depends on the client, right? Because right. some clients are incredibly decisive and they know exactly what they want, but also you've got to try and you've got to help the client. You know, they can't be too rigid because then what you're doing is stifling the opportunity to create something really dynamic. So I think it's also trying to offer that expertise that we have and the experience that we have and knowing, you know, what we've done in the past will inform the success of these current projects and then just work with the client to get the ambition to a stage where everyone's happy. And uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, the briefs come in and yes, they go, right, we need this and that and the other, but your job is also to challenge that and agitate the whole process by saying, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And then, you know, give them reasons for taking that approach. And then they talk about that internally, come back to you. And it just is a constant dialogue. But eventually you get it to a really good place. And then everyone can be proud and happy with the end result. I know that you've heard this from especially Americans before, but I love your language. I'm not talking about the way that you're talking. I mean, earlier you said it's about landing their ambition, talking about clients. And now you just introduced in the middle of a client conversation, the word agitate. It's your job to agitate. I'm like, oh man, I'm writing these things down. So what, what is the <laughs> I most heard that radical... actually once, yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, what's the most radical thing that you've done to date, Grant? Um, I've done, I've done, a, I've done a lot of radical things. I mean, you know, the, my personality is always trying to do something that stands out. I mean, even outside of what, what I do professionally. Yes. And, um, and I think that's just part of my DNA. And I think that that's incumbent with, with, within the approach that I, um, I push forth in my projects. But I, I think I probably say, you know, when we created the interactive dance floor for Hewlett Packard, that was a bit of a mm. groundbreaking moment, to be honest with you. Um, and it was a project that w we had a, a couple of other agencies going for it and no one could land it. And I had to go in last minute, um, sit around a, a table with about 10 of, of uh, HP's kind of head honchos. And, and they were like, we've only got seven weeks and we need to come up with an idea and nobody knows what to do. And then literally this, this just popped into my head. There was a, a, a technology called PaveGen that effectively creates kinetic energy when you walk over it. And I thought, actually, hold on. This is interesting. We could create something that's a little bit similar to this, an interactive dance floor that powers up the light show that increases the intensity and, and the dialogue between the audience and, and the actual band itself. And, you know, because at the end of the day, if, if the band's doing their job, then people are going to be jumping up and down and getting really Correct. excited. How could we actually precipitate that into a, a physical experience, you know, and through the lighting design and the light show, 
all of that energy that was going into that dance floor would then power up that light show. So the more they danced, the more they jumped up and down, the more animated and energetic that whole experience would be. It's so interesting that you mentioned that because I've heard performers all the way back to Elvis Presley in the 50s and 60s talk about how they get energy from audiences, that that there's a back and forth. So it's interesting that you put that into play. Now yeah. I've got a really important question for you. And man, you're just boggling my mind. I'm s sitting there thinking about you and in front of a, a bunch of people who are in a big corporation, which is not exactly where you would think is going to be the fun place to introduce innovation and here you are doing it so my question to this end is innovation really kind of scares people it does it certainly is not something that everybody does let's talk uh, you know let's talk your team or new hires or really creating an environment that is productive for creating innovation how is that best done in your opinion how do you create an environment where that's that's the blessing that everybody knows you've got to break a few eggs and you've got to get through some things and you want to innovate yeah i mean i think the the bedrock of that is is passion and and motivation mm. and excitement right you know you can't innovate if you're not excited you right. can't come up with something completely groundbreaking if you're demoralized you know morale in the in the in the workspace is crucial um, right. So I, you know, I absolutely uh, pride myself on making sure, you know, when I walk into the room, everyone feels, you know, fun and bouncy and happy. And I was going to say fizzy, but that was just being an awful adjective. But basically, <laughs> you know, the, the, the whole thing is that, you know, if, if the team feel involved, if they feel as though they're actually part of something that's going to offer them serious value in life, if they can be part of something that they can actually, you know, kind of... Um, put their their stamp on i think that there's something really exciting about that you know i i'll get brainstorms together at the beginning of every brief and i will bring in everyone in the room including anyone in the accounts department that wants to join because you just never know where a good idea is going to come from and That's half right. of my job is going hey guys look at the situation you know and if someone's got a really interesting idea and maybe it's coming from like i said like the legal team you know you just you never know where it's going to come from suddenly you go well actually that's i'm going to really, doubt really the legal smart. team I, i'm going <laughs> to doubt the legal team is going to give you yeah, fair enough fair enough but you, you know you, you you just you never know because they could have gone to some sort of like you know gig the day before it could be an immersive theater gig or whatever it is people yeah, they're people and they and they know other people, right? And then maybe they know a cool person who's just been to something really culturally uh, relevant and, you know, they just flag it and they could flag it on a surface level. But suddenly it's something that we're thinking about and then we can start to, again, we can start to develop that idea and put more meat on the bone. And before you know it, it, it becomes something really exciting. So yeah, I think I that's important. I see you walk into the room with your creative team and, and I see you telling them, and please forgive me for trying to emulate the accent, which I will do poorly, but <laughs> I see you walking in the room going, Hey, I just took a cold shower. And <laughs> you know, so it's all up. It's all good for me. Right? In my Australian accent. Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> see, I knew you were going to hurt me there. I know. I know. No, it was all good. Right. It was so, good. So listen, uh, uh, this is kind of the, this is the kind of buzzword that's going around now, obviously, and this will not be a surprise to you. But with all this talk about the metaverse, what do you plan to do with the metaverse? 
And how do you see our future in design and experience as humans um, in that way? I mean, this is something I've been looking at actually for a long, long time. Um, you know, as soon as I, I saw the Oculus, as soon as I, even when Google Glass came out, which was a flop, but, you know, the ambition was still there and, and they knew that it was coming and, it, and it's always going to, it will come. It's just a matter oh, yes. of time, right? And now we're seeing a real, uh, we're seeing that traction um, it's hugely palpable, especially with the likes of Facebook now saying that they're going to create their metaverse and blah, blah, blah. I think there'll be a few different versions, to be honest with you, but I think mm -hmm. you can see everything heading that way. BMW's Joytopia, the recent Lady Gaga and Don Perry on Virtual World. Like, There's a lot of gamification out there at the moment, and that's, that's right. all, that's the steer, that's the move, that's the... That's the the kind of the next step towards what this metaverse will be, and then you've got Facebook teaming up with Ray Ban, you know, and and Ray Ban creating these kind of augmented reality glasses. Because let's face it, you know, it, whatever people wear needs to look cool. There was a film, it's a short film, it's called Sight. I think it was 2015, 2016. Uh, really interesting take on what this metaverse is is going to look like. Um, and effectively, you know, it, it will get to the stage where I think we, we've exhausted mobile phones. Like, you know, yes. we're, tr we're, we're trying to, we, we went from small screens to big screens and back down to small. Then it's all about the camera. Then it's, you get to the stage where everything plateaus. So then, you know, where do you go from there? And I, I genuinely think that the metaverse, the way we interact with our everyday through that kind of digital augmented layer will absolutely be it will be second nature to Gen Zs within the next 10 to 20 years. And, um, you know, if you can somehow get into that world now and find a way of kind of taking ownership of a part of it, then you'll be, you'll do well. And if you're listening to me live right now on Clubhouse or later, if you're listening to this event on our podcast, you know Grant will be there. You, you know he will. So thank you, Grant, for, for joining us on Innovation and Audio. I hope if it's possible, you and I talked about this a little bit, you've got a pretty t stacked up schedule. If it's possible for you to stick around uh, in case our audience has a, a question for you at the end or two, that would be great. No problem. No problem. My pleasure. All right. You know, look, if you haven't subscribed to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio, so simple, so easy, our podcast is available, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. You're already missing out on great content every single week. We already have a growing archive of shows for you that you won't even believe when you dip into them. And, and you'll be able to hear things that will improve the value of your own career. While you are listening to this live event, please make sure that you have joined the encouragers here on the Clubhouse app and share what we're doing with friends in radio and audio and in innovation too. Follow the people on the stage tonight. Look around the room for others that you can connect with. A big part of encouraging you and your audio career is helping you engage in effective networking. Find out what our guests talk about every single week including hacks to make your career better and, of course, certainly more innovative by subscribing to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast uh, and be a part of what we're doing 
it is a great way to hang out and get some interesting things. We actually have two podcasts, uh, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and the Encouragers the Radio Rally Podcast, and both are available right now on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, we do have a special live event coming how TV has changed and is changing forever. Thursday, uh, December 2nd, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. What is TV now? What do viewers expect? What should you know? What does the future look like? Find out in our special one-time research discovery event with Vituri Media on television. This is specifically focused on television only from the Fituri Smith Geiger study. Aaron Callahan will be our special guest and you don't want to miss it. Skip Dillard from WBLS and Hot 97. He and I came up with the idea for innovation and audio and then Skip said, hey, I want us to go and get some people that are really unique, really special and really shake things up, not the usual suspects. And Lo and behold, that's exactly what we're doing. Skip, tell us about your guest for tonight on Innovation and Audio. All right, well, thanks, Lloyd. Really enjoyed uh, Grant's uh, comments and insight, and, and man, uh, excellent. Uh, with me tonight, a, a colleague and friend in the business for, for many years. I remember when he was uh, getting going at WOWI in Norfolk and other great call letters uh, that followed, including uh, Hot 5. WHQT Miami. I remember when uh, he was part of the launch team at the old KJMZ in, in Dallas, 100.3 Jams, Ricksburg Top 40, Rhythmic, Urban, Urban AC, done a little bit of it all and, and continues to grow an incredible uh, imaging and uh, client business for clients uh, both nationwide and worldwide. Rick, so good to have you tonight, man. Thanks for having me. You know, I put my phone on Do Not Disturb and <laughs> I opened it up for, you know, my, my family members and they just happened to be calling me. I'm like, geez, not right now. But how oh, are you, Skip? Good. Thanks for having you. me. Hey, man, thanks so much. And, and congratulations. I guess we can first start off on, uh, you know, the excitement of uh, joining uh, 104.3 Jams in Chicago. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, no, it's it's exciting. Um, 104.3 Jams is Chicago's uh, uh, throwback station, so we play uh, throwback hip hop and R and B. Pretty much uh, what what we played when I worked at you know WGCI back in the uh, the nineties with you know, Tom Joyner and Doug Banks. So wow. it's really a throwback to that to that era, and uh, it just really resonates with the listeners to hear me there uh, with the music we played then. That's great, man. You have you have always been able to, to innovate and, and grow business. You've been able to balance your own company and, and still do incredible radio shows. Uh, you know, who are some of the names that brought you up in this business, gave you the spark and the fire to do do what you do? Oh, my. As far as radio, um, I, I have to credit first and foremost uh, Earl Boston. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah, Earl Boston. Uh, he was a radio host at WBMX in Chicago. And I was a kid just on the other end, listening to him and calling every day, you know? And one day he said, why are you calling me? And I said, I'm sick. He said, don't lie to me. I said, I got kicked out of school. And uh, Earl taking that, that time to talk to me, I was like 14, 15 years old. Yeah. That just really inspired me to do something with my life. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, but be just like that man on the radio. And yeah. And yeah, he befriended me. Uh, other other names you may know, um, uh, Armando Rivera. He oh, was yeah. also working at WBMX. Um, Harv Roman is a guy who was a part of a uh, 
kids radio station called WCYC, you know, owned by Chicago Youth Centers. And Harv was wow. the first person to give me a chance to be, you know, on a microphone as a kid. So yeah. those are the three big names. That those are the the fire starters right there. Man, that, that's so cool, man. And yeah. you know, it, it, over the past, and, and we've talked on Clubhouse since this app launched. You were one of the early. Uh, you know, you, you really embraced this app early on. And then, you know, we talked about what feels like 10 years of disruption over the past 15 months or so. Mm-hmm. And coming out of COVID, man, where, where is radio now and what do we need to do to really stay relevant, grow the industry and, and really serve our audiences? I honestly feel that um, COVID has really uh, lit a fire to radio. They're really paying attention to their their digital platforms. You know, I saw it early when I worked at Hot 105 in Miami when I when someone said, "Hey, so and so made you know a couple million dollars on the website." I was like, "Whoa, are you serious?" So, while a lot of radio stations were not into it then, now we see stations paying attention to their websites, uh, to their apps, their live streams, and and it gives clients a chance to see you know, where they're putting their money and the results from that. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's uh, uh, social media has really been uh, the saving grace for radio stations because people just don't listen the way they used to, yeah. um, to radio. I mean, your, your radio, your everything is in your hand now. So um, your other question was part of that. Well, I, I think, you know, in, in terms of, of the immediate future, like, you know, what what's what's on the horizon for radio? Like what, you know, what lessons do you think we really outside of just really paying more attention, growing digital? Any any lessons you saw personally being on air during this time? Um, being on air. Oh, actually, well, actually being on air. I just I, I saw uh, it, there's a need to really connect with listeners. Um, most of us that were on these platforms, um, you know, found ourselves just like our listeners without jobs. So we had an opportunity to connect and uh, be a little bit transparent, um, you know, with, with who we are. And I think that's what's missing uh, with radio today. I mean, there's a lot of show on the radio, mm-hmm. but when you connect with people, that's when they, they, they stick and stay with you. And I think that's one thing that's, that's really taught us. Um, you know, especially, you know, one thing we've, we've all had in common through this, this pandemic is that we've either lost someone or we know someone who's lost someone. So, um, you know, we've all come, you know, become common in this, this time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you've, you've worked alongside a talent that, you know, may have less experience than you. You've worked alongside many legends and, you know, hybrid and, and remote working is still a reality in our business, at least for the near future. And how have you and, and how do you feel the talent you talk to and the talent you mentor overall are adjusting to having not physically been in a studio every day? I mean, is this healthy for radio? And, <laughs> and how do we make, how do we make this work, man? Well, for me, um, I call myself an, uh, an extroverted introvert. So... <laughs> You know, I, I love being the man behind the microphone at home where no one can see me. Hmm. Um, growing up as a kid, I was I was just not that cool dude. I was, you know, I was I was quiet. I was a nerd. I was ripping up radios and, and televisions. So for me, uh, it works. 
you know, I, I like to call myself technologically savvy. So, you know, I've, I've prepared my room for a moment like this. I'm, I'm like the guy who, who waits for um, the world to come to an end. So he digs um, a home in the, in the, in, in the earth. So yeah. <laughs> um, I've created a, a, a booth in my home. Um, it's, it's padded with sound panels. You know, I've got the professional microphone and I knew it would come to this, this moment one day. And I, th- I think that's what people should do. They should have done it a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, they, they don't see it. And it's sad today that so many radio personalities, they find themselves out of a job yeah. and then they want to know what do I do? Yeah. Um, I, I saw this a long time ago, so I, I'm, I was definitely prepared for it while many uh, are not and they're afraid. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's so true. And, you know, um, I was looking at an article the other day that Fred Jacobs, a uh, great consultant and big rock programmer, uh, you know, he wrote about the, uh, you know, the quit worky, uh, you know, the I quit economy and, and how it's, you know, impacting uh, our industry as well. And, you know, somebody tweeted back and said, hey, doesn't impact us because we all are, have already pretty much been fired. And I was like, wow, right. you know, it's the fact that people feel that way. And, and, you know, Rick, I've listened to you for years and, you know, I will say this, I've never, ever heard you sound like you were going through the motions. What, what does show prep mean to you? Cause I think for so many air talent, that's something that, you know, is a lost art it just really preparing a show, you know, really having your breaks on point, what you want to say, the points you want to make every time you open the microphone. You know, there's that saying that's, uh, that goes, uh, if you stay ready, you never got to get ready, right? So from the moment I'm off the air, I'm show prepping until the moment I'm on the air. I mean, of course, there's, there's local news, there's, there's national news, there's your, your, your gossip, there's your sports, but some of the best material you can get is, is right in your face with your home. Um, it's, it's so, listeners love, they want to know who you are. I mean, it's fine that you do great radio, but who are you? Um, that's what made, I, I learned that from Earl Boston. That's what made him great because every day I'd call him, uh, I'd dedicate a song to my girlfriend uh, mm-hmm. who was in school while I was not in school. So, <laughs> so I, did, I didn't get it then, but I knew that not only was Earl making a connection with me, he was connecting with the listener. So he only hoped that I would call in, but he, he'd said, you know, he would say, he'd, he'd also say, get, get yourself back into school, but are you going to call in tomorrow? So what I'm getting to is um, he made my calling in like a series like today on the latest the latest episode with Zurich and Heidi. Zurich's my real name, and Heidi yeah. was my girlfriend at the time. So in today's episode with Zurich and Heidi, uh, Zurich, yada, yada, yada. So, uh, so you know, there, there's so many ways that you can prep. And for me, for example, um, I, I literally, I, I like to go uh, step by step. For example, if I'm going to voice track uh, a radio show, I literally like in the moment, like say if I'm going to play a Bruno Mars song, I want to see what's happening with Bruno Mars right in that moment. You know, forget about what happened with Bruno yesterday. Something's happening every day with talent. So I'm going to go to Google News. I'm going to type in Bruno Mars, and then I'm going to click the category News. It's going to show me the latest that's happening with Bruno Mars. So if I'm going to play a Bruno Mars song, of course, I can easily say, uh, you know, uh, 104.3 Jams, 
Bruno Mars and uh, what's the kid's name? Uh, Anderson Pack, their new album, um, An Evening with So Sonic, is going to come out this Friday. Make sure you cop it. 1043 mm-hmm. Jams, right into the Bruno Mars song. So I'm always, I'm always looking for information. Uh, day and night, I never stop. You can, you can find it everywhere. So to answer your question, sh- uh, show prep never, never ends. It never ends. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. Wow. And, and, you know, you did something in your career that most people don't do until they, you know, leave uh, the full business full time being on air. And, and that was develop a, develop a strong imaging and, and voiceover business. And I mean, you started fairly young, I, I guess. The first part of this, how did you how did you get started doing voiceovers and being the voices of a voice of stations across the country? How did how did that begin so early for you and how were you able to balance it with on air? Well, I think a lot of that had to do with uh, me hearing Mitch Faulkner in my ear every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, every, every, you know, on WGC, I heard Mitch Faulkner. On stations around yeah. the country, I heard Mitch Faulkner. Uh, Joseph Riano, a good friend of mine, he was my voice at Hot 105. So I listened to these voices and uh, my production guy at um, V103 in Atlanta, um, he, his name is Postman. He'd always mm-hmm. try to get me to do production. And this was in 96 when I did Afternoons, 96 through 98 uh, in Atlanta. And he always say, stick around, do this commercial. I'm like, I don't want to do a commercial. I don't want to produce. I didn't know how to produce. I didn't know how to voice. And one day um, in the year 2000, a friend of mine gave me a copy of Cool Edit, which is now Adobe Audition. Yeah. And I had that CD-ROM in my hand. And I, I, I know Mitch, he's in the audience. He can relate to this. When I saw that, when I had that in my hand, Skip, I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. Do you know what I'm about to do with this? <laughs> I didn't know what I was about to do with it, but I knew I was going to figure it out. So, you know, I call people like Mitch and say, hey, what do I buy? What kind of microphone do I buy? I mean, what yeah. type of EQs do I buy? What type of I didn't know what to call these things. You know, so I just got a whole bunch of stuff in these cheap microphones and, and until I figured it out. You know, I, I, I had to go through the, the ups and downs of equipment. And, you know, I, I had gotten shot down. You remember the old site, um, Urban Insight, when That's they used to have. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I remember when I created my first demo. And it was a, um, it was kind of infused with my radio imaging and a lot of my commercials. I didn't know how to put an imaging together, a demo together at the time. Sure. So when I placed um, that demo on the site and I named my company Sizzle Productions because, you know, in my hmm. mind, my work was sizzling, right? <laughs> so, you know, I posted, you know, here's uh, my latest uh, demo with Sizzle Productions. And the, one of the comments that I'll never forget, it stood out. And the person said, it's more like sizzling. It's okay. It's not disgusting. I was like, whoa. I was like, yo, that got me. But it, you know, it didn't, it didn't dismay me, man. I went back to the lab. I listened, you know, to the people who are, who are killing it out there. And I really studied them. I listened to, um, you know, every detail, um, and I went back and I just, I kept pushing. And then I think I had, I, I, I struck magic. I sent that demo to um, Doc Winner, who's yeah. the VP of Urban Programming for, for iHeart now. It was Clear yeah. Channel then. Mm-hmm. And when I sent that to Doc, he said, yo, I want to put you on stations right now. Wow. And Doc blessed me with, with like 20 radio stations, <laughs> like out of nowhere. 
Now, prior to that, Kevin Coolen Fox gave me a shot on mm-hmm. you know, for a promo or two, and so did Michael Saunders at JLB. They all yeah. kind of tested me out. I mean, they sure. they gave me love, but um, it was it was Doc who who really blessed me. And but those guys give me confidence. Doc blessed me, and now I'm I say okay, and now I've got twenty stations. How can I produce these stations and voice? There was no way I can do that. So right away, I had to find uh, a couple producers. Sure. And and from that point, Sizzle Productions was really born. Doesn't exist today that company name, but yeah. that's how it was really born. And I I learned in that moment, you know, how to become a businessman. And from there. Um, everything else was born. I mean, the television promo, I was a voice for BET and top rank. I did uh, Mm -hmm. voice work for ABC and CBS and Fox. I mean, the list goes on and on. And um, it was tough. It was really tough coming from radio because you you think in your mind, you know this, Skip, you know, when you're in a production room and you you think because you know how to voice a, a commercial in either 15 seconds, 30 or 45 without messing up, you, you got it, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're wrong. Uh, <laughs> right. So after working uh, in New York City, I decided to really to take a voiceover class uh, with Rodney Salisbury and uh, G. Keith Alexander. Mm, and mm-hmm. yeah, G. Keith's uh, commercial class when I when I read with him. Absolutely. Yeah. He said um, when I read the commercial in front of the class, he said, uh yeah, that's not how we do it, <laughs> you know. Because they're like, this. Tr- uh, how would you like to get um, a pizza for only four ninety nine? You know, I was doing a whole radio announcer voice thing, and he's like, no, that's that's not it. Yeah, and and <laughs> that was humbling. And and from that point, I I really just started to grow from in voiceover. But th- that's how I started, though. Wow, wow, yeah, I see G Keith all the time, you know, up in yeah. Harlem. So I just, it's funny you mention that and. You know, speaking of Mitch Faulkner, it's amazing to have him in the room because I can tell you, my first full-time job, I went down to New Orleans for the interview at WYLD, and I heard his voice at the top of the hour when a plane landed. I took my Walkman out and and turned on and and heard, I was like, I got to get this job. You know, just hearing the way he hit that top of the hour, I was like, you know, Mitch's production and the way it cut through and the the mics, the processing, I was like, oh my God, but yeah. Yeah. for some, some, some great, great, uh, you know, days. And, and, you know, again, I, I know why you're great because you learn from great and that's what makes great. Definitely. Thank you. So you, you coach voiceover talent, you know, and Rick, I've, I've done basic stuff. I haven't, you know, done it on a wide or large basis, but, but you're correct in the amount of time and effort it takes to put together just, you know, just a simple line, much less a 30 second or 15 second read. And, Everybody wants to do voiceovers. What what does it really take? What cuts through for you when when just like you had to go through, uh, you know, go through trial by fire? What what is it that you would tell that person that's you know maybe not in radio or in radio or podcasting? Says I really want to do imaging. I want to do TV. I want to do radio. Yeah, for for uh, voiceover, commercial voiceover, I would say I always say start that first. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything you learned in radio you have to unlearn it. You've been doing it all wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I say you have to, you have to learn how to make uh, the cu- the human connection with the other person on the end. And you know, they would tell us back in the day, Hey, place a mirror in front of your face and talk to speak to that one person. Don't speak to the entire uh, listening uh, audience, speak to one person. And I would, you know, it, it was 
tough to get people to, you know, leave the radio voice at home. And mm-hmm. it, it's like it's like really pulling a teeth and it hurts and, and they don't they don't want to do it. And some of them are frustrated. And I would have to I'd say something like, OK, when you wake up, um, when you say good morning to your, your wife or your children, what voice do you use? And they, they say, I, I say, good morning, babe. <laughs> you know, I say, yeah, use that voice. Do that voice in the commercial. Not yeah. rather. Good morning, babe. How are you? I said, you go around talking like this. You know, I said, we're, we're all actors. I said, if, if I'm doing an ESPN um, promo, if I'm going now on ESPN, that's just a voice. I'm not going to go, good morning, babe, wake up. You know, I'm not, we're all actors. Even if it's a movie trailer and you're going rated PG-13 in theaters Friday, you're acting, you're, you're learning to use every part of your voice from your diaphragm, your throat, your head, your toes. Um, and we really have to um, get people to, to understand that. Even, even if I'm saying to them, okay, I want you to close your eyes. And you're going to read this, um, this Lexus commercial. When you think about Lexus, what do you think about? And they say luxury. And how does luxury make you feel? Luxury makes me feel good. Okay, paint the picture, this commercial. Where are we? And they'll say, okay, we're in the PCH in Los Angeles, and it's nighttime. And I say, make me feel that. Mm-hmm. And then, and I say, sit back. Do you have a chair? Can you, can you let it back a little bit? And I say, okay, now read the copy. And then they go, the 2020 Mercedes-Benz. I say, yeah, give me that. That's what I want. Not the 2020 Mercedes. No. <laughs> so it, it's, it's a lot. It, it's, it's frustrating. But yeah. I, I, feel, um, I feel like I've done my job when I can walk away and someone feels good about something they've done. That's why those Fridays... Uh, that I've done on Clubhouse forever. It just, it, it makes me feel good to, you know, to, to be there with people when they walk away. They just go, thank you so much. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, uh, they may not, they may never do voiceover, but it may mm-hmm. give, you know, may empower them to speak in front of an audience. Yeah. And I think and, what impressed me about your Fridays was that, you know, there were a few diamonds in the rough there and it was like, wow, you know, yeah. people just pop up. I mean, the first time I heard your your friend Natasha was was in your room and I was like, oh, my God, there's talent out here that, you know, we didn't necessarily know about. And that's really a cool thing. Yeah, know? no, absolutely. No, it's it's been a great place. I mean, um, and speak, speaking of Natasha, she's in the audience as well. And oh, um, just her being on on Clubhouse and uh, having, you know, met me and other people. I mean, she she's on her way to, you know, doing uh, great things uh, in, in, in the industry. I mean, she's met the likes of uh, Skip Dillard and uh, Lloyd Ford and, and so many people that, you know, that believe in her talent. It, 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 you know, we can see it. We can see that thing that exists in people. She's, she's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Definitely. Last wrap up question for you, Rick. I mean, you you wanted to do syndication. You wound up doing morning syndication successfully for a couple of years. And so you you voiceovers, imaging, uh, again, uh, major clients and brands. Uh, you've done everyday part. You've done biggest call letters in the business. Any 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 goals in the next few years you you want to accomplish Mount Everest? What, what, what's anything you want to share? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for me at this stage, it's just really about, uh, giving back. 
you know, if someone op- offers me the opportunity, I, I have, um, you know, I have the power to, to take it or, or deny it. Um, yeah. because I've, I, like you said, I've, I've done everything I, I possibly, uh, 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 dreamt of. And now, uh, my thing is the Rick party network. And with that, it gives me an opportunity to find talent, uh, the unknown talent and give them an opportunity to, to broadcast, you know, via the uh, Rick party network, if it, it be it you, YouTube or, or Mixcloud live where people can actually see you and you can play music and, or you can talk and who knows who, you know, who knows, uh, will see you from there. Um, and, and it gives me not only that give the, you know, gives me an opportunity to, to, you know, to give them the platform, but also to pour into them, to teach them, you know, not to walk same path. Some of the, some of the path that I've walked, um, you know, we, we've seen it. So yeah. for me, it's just about pouring back into people. Absolutely, yeah. man. How can people reach you, Rick, if they want to connect with you? Yeah, just go to my website. It's uh, rickparty.com. And you can find all of my stuff. There's just a, a, a lot of mess up there, but it's everything that I do. So. <laughs> Uh, man, well, Rick, thank you so much always, man. I, I enjoy, uh, you know, your sessions on, on Clubhouse. Again, you were very early on to the app and, and have always found uh, inspiration from your moves. You make strategic moves. You, you know, again, uh, you know, go to communities where you know you can make a difference. And uh, we're proud of you, man. And keep up the great work. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Stay around for a couple minutes here in case there are any questions. Lloyd, it is your microphone. Man, 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 man. All right. So a couple of things. Thank you, Skip. Thank you, Rick. In case you are just hearing for some reason, Rick, for the first time, I just want to go on record and say, Rick Party's a badass. Listen, and I listen. I know about this. He's going to try to be self-deprecating, but you listen to me. You can go back and you can hear an episode of our podcast, The Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which is it actually comes from our Monday live event on Clubhouse, and you can hear Rick Party's appearance on that live event where he shares the most mind-blowing way to get a job in any environment. You won't doubt it once you hear this, that Rick Party kills it. So listen, don't forget, follow the people on the stage during this event. Look around the room. We're big believers in connection and mentoring and networking on the encouragers. Thank you for being here and participating in our live events. We are going to open the room up in case there are some questions from you to our guest right now. All you have to do is push the button that has a little hand on it at the bottom of your screen on your device and raise your hand. We will bring you up to the stage. We do ask that you mute your microphone until we call on you. By the way, uh, the encouragers, when you when you join the encouragers, we have people who only come to listen. We're okay with that. Our goal is to provide you with interesting content and advice and opportunities to move your career forward and to encourage you. That's why we are here. But we also don't mind sharing the stage with you if you're so inclined. We do like to at least extend the offer every Wednesday, so don't feel pressured to talk. This is a safe place for anyone, even those that have just come to listen. Don't forget, Monday, you can join us at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the radio rally on Clubhouse right here on the Encouragers. On Monday, we have Chunk 
Nance, who is the afternoon drive talent and co-host at Country 1037, Charlotte, North Carolina. He says he's the professional tailcoat rider for Debbie Nance. We're going to have an amazing co-host for that event, Ashley Wilson, the director of country programming for iHeartMedia, Kentucky, Indiana, and program director of WAMZ will be our co-host on Monday. Also on Monday, we'll have Brittany Tully with us. She's a programmer and a podcaster, and she's co-host of, get this, Mommy on the Go, spelled like my favorite LSU Tigers, G-E-A-U-X. It's a thing. You've got to know about it. We do love encouraging everyone in audio and radio, uh, and, and we're bringing ideas, solutions, opportunities throughout all parts of these businesses. And we do have a very special event coming for sellers, sales managers, market managers everywhere. We want you to share it with them. It's called the 2022 Sales Liftoff, planning your bigger revenue year, Thursday, January 13th, 2022. Now listen to this, we're doing something different, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. And this is your opportunity to join us live on the Clubhouse app. Uh, we are going to arrive there with an event we plan to do quarterly with sales managers, market managers, and local sellers. We are going to lay out planning and actionable events to amp up your Q1 revenue. And it'll go way beyond that, by the way. We have a very special guest uh, and current sales consultant, Alec Drake, who is former director of sales for uh, Cumulus Media in Dallas. And he'll have with him two additional revenue partners at our roundtable of actionable, actionable red meat items to help your sales in 2022. So I have a question for Grant, and it's been on my mind for a long time, and I will never be able to ask you enough questions, Grant, and we don't have enough time for that. So I've decided to ask you a, a different kind of question. Do you feel prepared, sir? <laughs> for a different kind of question? Yes. Completely. Here it comes. I want you, if you will, unless I've misunderstood, I want you to tell us about your experience as a cast member of The Crown. Can you tell us about that a little bit just so that people are like, wait, what? This guy's doing that too? <laughs> I think life is about diversity and, and doing lots of fun things if if you can. And I think um, – I had a I had a business about three years ago, which was uh, I I set up a whole company to create a an electric moped sharing scheme here in London. Yes, but it was stressful, and I needed an outlet. Um, and when I was talking about art and all of that, um, I have a couple of friends who are in film, and I had a, a a film director friend. He was like, "Listen, this company's looking for for people to." kind of just almost play kind of supporting uh supporting kind of actors or, or kind of extras in uh in the crown i was like okay well what do i have to do and he goes literally just register and and um I'm, I'm sure they'll sign you up so i ended up just doing it for a day i went out and then as soon as i got there i got called up to meet um helena bonham carter so she basically asked to see me. I, I kind of walked around with another chap as well. So me and this other guy kind of walked around to the pool. She was there. She was so sweet and very kind of um, and, and humble and, and, and very kind. And then she was like, I need you to play um, this chap called Hugo. 
and I and and he's the, he's the love interest of Princess Margaret. So I ended up basically, and it wasn't a speaking role. I was like, "Do you want to speak as well?" They were like, "No, we don't." Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I I at least tried to 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 kind of you know get a little bit more credit than I than I ended up with. But nevertheless, I had to do about I'm not kidding about, and this was October in an outdoor unheated swimming pool in England. Uh, and it was, I had to dive into a pool that had a massive, you didn't see it obviously in, in the, uh, in the crown itself, but there was a huge sign saying strictly no diving. But the first AD was like, do you reckon you can dive in that pool? And I was like, well, you know, if I'm going to end up in the crown, then I'll do pretty much whatever you want. So I dived into this pool. I had to do literally like two lengths. Um, it was freezing and I was wearing these tiny little speedos, so it's not a good combination. <laughs> and um, you know, I, the, the, I had ten lines from a Croatia visit, literally like a week before. So they stopped filming halfway through, and were like, "Hugo's got ten lines, makeup." And then I'd like two two female uh, makeup artists basically sketching in my tan lines on my thighs. Like it was all a real a, a weird and surreal and bizarre experience, to be honest. But in the end. You know, it was about 10 seconds in the crown. Um, I had a little bit of a, a named part, and it was a, a fun little thing to do. So, yeah, that's the story in a nutshell. Again, it's just you're open-minded, you're open-minded, you want those experiences. When they ask you to do the one thing that it says you can't do at that pool, they got the right guy. Yeah, I'm just 100%. Saying. Well, so, I mean, Rick, there, was I another, got... <laughs> there was another guy going, you can't do that, you can't, you shouldn't do that. And I was like, listen... I'm doing whatever they ask me to do. I'll I'll make it happen. Let's, let's just make That's it happen. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And that guy right now is going, hey, is that guy <laughs> doing those experiences? That was the guy that jumped in the pool. Yeah, no. exactly. So, Rick, I've got a question for you, too, before we call a, a couple of people up, if if uh, if they still have their hand up. I do want to say this. You know, you heard Grant talking about all these visual experiences that he is creating around the world. And and look, I'm just going to say this right up front. I feel like the radio business has put itself out of the visual business in a lot of ways in terms of experiences. Do you personally, because again, I'm going to use that word badass with you. I know you, okay? I know you're the guy that will go make that impression. Do you feel like radio could use these kinds of experiences? Yeah. What What the visual? Ex- yes, you know, I got to be honest with you. I didn't hear everything that Grant said. So, so ask what's your what's your what's your question here? Well, you know how radio has just become invisible in a lot of markets. Yeah, don't you feel like you know Grant was talking earlier about he tries to make a a, a statement. When's the last time that you have seen a radio station in North America make a statement? Howard yeah, Stern. We- yeah, we don't we don't we, we don't see that often today, but I tell you who makes a statement. Um take the Breakfast Club, take Charlemagne, oh, yeah. take Hot yeah. uh, Hot 97 and Power 106. Um these people live on social media. And you know, going with making a, a statement, you know, I, I say it often with radio personalities. You can't go on social media and just post your fruit. You can't go on social media wow. and do a fashion show. You're in the business for a reason. That page is your visual resume. So you have to go on there and show them what you do. Monique, uh, the comedian, 
I mean, she's one of the funniest women in the world. One of the, the, the um, I, I forget what they call them. But, you know, she's a funny comedian, but she gets on, when she's on social media, she's always doing her, her workouts. And I'm like, come on, like, this is, this is your, this is your visual resume. If you want to make money, you know, show them what you do. Recently, uh, Stefan Johnson, he's a voiceover guy. He goes on nearly every day. He may do uh, his favorite food or he's a foodie, right? And he yeah. gets, he's millions you should you should have him on too. By the way, uh, he has millions of views on TikTok. He's the perfect example of going on uh, his his platform and showing people what he do what he does rather. And just this week, Will Smith discovered last week. Will Smith discovered him on social media because he does his thing there and asked him to become the trailer voice for his tour. Nice. Yeah. Nice work. Again, a, a little bit of a lesson about uh, being there with Rick Party. Listen, we do try to keep things to about an hour. Our thanks to Rick Party and to Grant Dutson for being our patient and giving guest. I would say that they are both pretty much badasses. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, which should be available shortly. And it'll be available everywhere, wherever you get your podcast, of course. Thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share our podcast. We have two, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio. And you can share them with anybody because we, we find that the content is pretty shareable. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of... Uh, innovation in audio and the encouragers and good night.